sir, but good enough. Welcome to Faz Radio, people. We are broadcasting live from multiple locations across the United States. <laughs> Faz is currently traveling outside of his comfort zone in another city on the other coast from where he lives. Did you uh, did you did you get the jitters on the plane since you haven't been on one in a while? No, actually, I didn't. I did pretty fine. I haven't. I, I usually get get worried when I get on the plane the first time, and then when I get like the second and third time, I like chill out. But this time, I didn't bother me at all. Nice. So, so that's probably like a four hour flight, huh? Five it took me five, five? hours. Probably wow. probably one additional hour to go back. Yeah, yeah. I'm closer okay. to you now. Right? It's six hours of a drive from Cleveland to D.C. I made that many times during those military days. Yes, I'm in Washington, D.C. at the moment at a very creepy old hotel, which I, I, I won't say the name so they, they don't get a terrible review, but they are weird. It's a very weird place. That's Well, that's kind of cool. I, I would. That's something I would black, love to stay in. Black walls? That's fucked up man oh here here take let's let's look at some of the art on the walls it's like crazy spooky ass shit what the fuck is that it's a picture of someone who stayed there <laughs> yeah let's see weird stuff on the wall like pictures of uh i don't know somebody's theodore family. roosevelt that's theodore roosevelt right there is that the and roosevelt room the ghost of his family is still in this room don't let Faz fool you. He's a guest of uh, Joe Biden, and he's staying in one of the rooms at the White House. Vague Renaissance crap. Oh, look. Here's a swatch of carpet that they put on the wall. By the way, it's very dark because it's a really creepy-ass hotel that doesn't have a lot of lights in it. So who hangs a swatch of carpet on the fucking wall? I don't, I don't know. So Maybe that yeah, was fashionable at some point. <laughs> anyway, so I'm broadcasting here live. So, you have prepared some stuff since I've been busy, and unfortunately, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, because I'm going to be flying while you're talking, but you've taken care of that, right? I've absolutely taken care of that. I am committed to no more missed FAS radios. So, uh, I've empowered the premium CFA folks to come on the show, and the first one will be uh, Glitch. Uh, from Glitch Through Gaming. He's going to join us tomorrow night as a co-host. Glitch is fantastic. And he just did a wonderful podcast with Evenwave, uh, who's part of the MOF. And those two go way back together. It's a good cast. You should check that out. But for premium members and the general community, if you have something interesting to say about tomorrow's show, shoot me a note. You can come on and talk with us. The more the merrier. Um, we'll talk about tomorrow's shows tomorrow, but tonight you mentioned it, uh, in the last two casts and even mentioned it with Bitbender last week that a lot of us are armchair quarterbacking the, uh, blockchain gaming space. And so everybody I thought, has a fucking opinion. Yep. 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 And so I thought tonight we could talk about some of the things we've talked about in the past about, uh, Maybe how that can be changed, how, well, I shouldn't say changed, how it can be improved. Yeah, useful to blockchain gaming. Now that we have two years of blockchain gaming experience under our belts, uh, folks, comment away. We're happy to hear those comments uh, and and talk about those if something interesting comes up. Um, 
So you are very adamant about this becoming the next way of doing gaming. It, blockchain gaming. Basically, yes. yeah. Basically just saying <clears throat> it, it won't be blockchain gaming and traditional gaming. It'll just be gaming. Why do, why do you think that people will just make the leap? Well, actually, let's let's back up and, and say it. There, there might be some competition for a while, but <clears throat> so the whole point of when you do a traditional game, and I'm just trying to think of just stuff you might find on Steam, to where you you buy some DLC or you buy some skins to play in the game, stuff like that. Everything's run from a central server, and of course, if you piss off. The, uh, the company that runs that central server, I don't know, maybe you ran some cheats or maybe you you uh, you did some, some other nefarious stuff. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe you propositioned children on this show. I mean, on, on the uh, on the game in, through chat, you're going to get banned. Well, you'll have an account and anything on your account would get banned with your account. So I don't know if you bought some really expensive shit, it's gone. Well... Blockchain gaming gives you the option of owning the things that you buy. If you buy skins or if you you, you uh, earn things in the game, they're yours. Now, yes, you can still get banned from the server just like you would from Steam or Steam games, uh, just like you normally would. But at least you'd be able to sell your stuff that you've earned. So if you earned a sword of whatever uh, in the game and then you get banned because you're a pedophile, at least you can sell your sword and, and, uh, and then do what everybody else does which is just create a new account, start over again. <laughs> you know, um, with KYC, that may not be possible, though. That's a good. <clears throat> that's a good point. So if, if your stuff is K KYC, um, is going to make things a lot harder. Because the, the, you're you're going to have a blockchain ledger that uh, that keeps track of the history of the object that you've purchased, etc. So so whatever the case is, there's a lot of real estate and and valuable objects in games that take a long time to earn and that's that has real value if you if you if you buy a piece of land in a game that piece of land is going to be used by anybody and everybody in the game and should be as valuable as land in the real world um now the the promise with blockchain gaming um the, the ultimate promise of blockchain gaming is that it, they could be run on decentralized nodes, you know, on the blockchain, using the blockchain. And so the game could run itself in perpetuity. That's that would be something that's not company specific and would be really cool because then you, the company that made it could go out of business and the game would still be there. You could still buy things for it and you could you could still play the game and it would everything would 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 run perfectly and of course these games would would have a way to be modified so whoever holds the, the the keys to modify the game maybe maybe some what do you call it maybe some uh, organization runs the the game or something then they would be able to modify the game or put out ver different versions of the game out there so that's, that's so the beginning what let me let me ask you something about what you said there, because I, I found it interesting. We had an offline discussion about this a while back, and I brought up the same point. So what would a, what would motivate a company who's out for profit 
to want to decentralize their games and just let it be run by the community on nodes when the profit opportunity kind of goes away at that point? Well, okay. Um, that's an interesting way to, to put that because the way gaming would basically become a lot like Linux is created and distributed. Linux is, you know, generally developed by a community of people that are interested in, in specific features. So you have like Debian Linux and Fedora Linux and stuff like that. And, and uh, Fedora. There's, there's a, a uh, there's Ubuntu or Ubuntu if, if you're South African. Um, and then uh, there's there's Mint OS, which which I rather like. I don't know if that's still around, um, which is a version of Ubuntu. Um, but you you would have various communities or maybe DAOs that would that would develop and support these games. And uh, could you could you yes? Oh, yeah. The, what is what, the, motivation? the motivation? Yeah, so the motivation I mean... for developing for Linux applications is the very act of supporting the operating system can make you money. You can, you can develop components for this operating system that people will pay you for. So if you're a developer, you can get paid to fix the game. You can get paid to make NFTs. You can get paid to, uh, to you know, improve the node system or something like that. The developer, there, there's something there. Not only that, uh, if you're a developer, a lot of, remember, whenever you develop a game, you're kind of, you're kind of roped into maintaining it indefinitely. Well, what if your company makes a game and it just doesn't want to support it anymore? It can just walk away and other people can support it. And then you can go about developing new ideas. Uh, you know, one, one of the coins that I got into that you roped me into was Black Eye Galaxy. The oh my God, of, here we go again. The, the concept of the game is pretty interesting, but what they did is they walked away from it. Now, if the game was truly a, a decentralized blockchain game, wouldn't matter. You can still play the game in perpetuity. And so that idea would be out there and functional and running. And then the developers, of course, from that game went elsewhere and developed a different game. Great. If they get to, if a developer gets tired of something, they can move on. Good. Uh, that other people can, can continue development on the game. So how, how see there, there's another rub. How does that IP trans, translate into do they just release that to the blockchain and the devs then so it can run in perpetuity well i think that there would be a process uh if, if it's decentralized game there would be a process of transferring the keys if you remember when i when we talked to bitbender last week i said they were talking about so many so many people in gala games holds the keys for running for creating these nodes and stuff like that or at least maintaining them and, I, and my question to him was, what's the process for transferring these keys to people? And what's well, the incentive? That's what I was asking and with he this didn't question. Have, and he didn't have an answer for that because they're not that far yet. But So that's, that's going to be the real catch for any new blockchain game that comes out is what's the process of, of transferring development ownership, as it were. The, the goal would be that any developer, just like with Linux and any, anything open source, any developer can develop features for the game and then a voting community would just vote them into the game. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one of the, the top things that I would like to see is actual progress in moving towards that decentralization that you just talked about. And 
I, I always get hung up on that because of the incentive. The, the company wants to survive. The company putting this ecosystem together, and I'm not referring just to Gala here. I'm talking any of these ecosystems, EVIO, um, Decentraland, any of them. It well, seems counterintuitive to, to just to have... hand things over. You're, you're losing revenue stream. Not exactly. The incentive is to have a rich ecosystem that you can add things to as little or as much as you want. It's up to the company to decide how involved it wants to get into uh, the, the ecosystem. If the company wants to jump in and jump back out, maybe they could just make a set of NFTs and move on. Um, or they could okay. they can they can get really deep and and be responsible for just about everything. Great. So the the other part of that I think they can improve. Like for example, and and I'm just using this as an example because a lot of our followers understand it. I'm not suggest, <laughs> suggesting this by any means. I'm not trying to like slip it in the back door there. But you have Game Media, right? who does uh, spider tanks. And let's say uh, they don't want to do it anymore. They want to focus on that other game that they have. Yeah, I know what she said, too. I know exactly what she said to you because uh, I, I used the poor choice of language there. Um, they don't want to do it anymore. They want to back out. Gala could then transfer those keys of that developer side of it to another developer who might then be able to improve the game and make it a little bit better uh, because there's always people with ideas, right? So if you if you handed the development of Spider Tanks, let's just say, off to the Mafia, the esports Mafia, they would take that game in a totally different direction than probably Game Media does. And... That's, and that's what fine. I would like to see. I would love to see stuff like that happen. That's where I would like to see blockchain gaming go. And that's fine. The, the, the whole per in fact, you can even have clones of the game. You've got very many different versions of the game. Say, say I don't know, let's just say Miranda's, for, for example, um, by Gala Games became decentralized, completely decentralized. And maybe you don't like some of the features on it. You could then... Um, copy it and make your own version of it. You could, you'd fork it just like you'd fork a coin like Bitcoin. So that's cool. Um, you, you get, you know, maybe um, if you think about Team Fortress, you know, get looking, if you look at Steam, there's there's a mod called Gary's Mod, which which does a, makes a lot of changes. My kids used Fortress. to play that when they were young. Mm -hmm. um, they really enjoyed that. So Gary's so, Mod was it yeah. is cooler than the game. So, I mean, it could be that if that you know, so and so's mod, Titan's mod of, of Miranda's became the better one to play. That's the the promise. But the whole point is, once you buy land into something, that land retains value. It's not dependent upon a company. It's dependent upon the success of the game, which is is maintained by a lot of different people. So so how how does a company go about doing that? What what steps are involved? Is it like a huge process or is it fairly easy, do you think? Well, I would think it would be a sim similar to creating a new distro of Linux. But if you're talking about blockchain, it could be made pretty easy. Some of these some of these tasks are probably pretty hard right now. But you get a company that's committed to uh, 
bringing blockchain games to games to the blockchain. I don't know. Um, there, there are companies that that do lots of like phone games. Like I'm thinking Rovio, who makes um, Angry Birds. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. They Angry Birds is like their 170th game. It wasn't their first, um, and so they have a billion different games out there. It's just one of them really took off. Great, you can have a company that instead of making phone games makes blockchain games, and they're gonna eventually there's gonna be a cool one out there. And each one, maybe they just farm it off to have somebody else support it. So, using that same model, another idea I had that. I think would be a great addition to this is to get off of this steam based model, meaning you have to be an ecosystem that has 35 different games on it. Um, I, I think that model is going to get old at some point and you have, you have these things that would break off and go decentralized. They would, they would kind of migrate themselves out of that ecosystem eventually anyway and join new ecosystems. I'm I'm perfectly fine with a with a company starting up a game, designing a game, putting it out there, getting people to use it, play it, and then walking away. That would that's fine. That that would that would be an advantage because they can keep throwing down additional ideas and let other, other people take it where they want them to go. Well, and, and that's that goes along the same lines with, you know, one person or one company doesn't have all the great ideas. Um, when it comes to putting, encouraging a company to do that, what, what would be some incentives you could provide a company in order from a player base? In, what would the players need to do in order to help that decision-making process well, move along those lines. It could be as simple as if you make a uh, a new component for the game, that um, that whoever makes this gets rewarded by getting game tokens. I mean, you can have anybody developing NFT NFTs for a game. Somebody though is going to have to uh, work on the game mechanics and balance, though, which might also be voted on. So I think that there's 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 got to be some sort of DAO organization uh, associated. With, with maintaining the game personally. So Bitbender brought that topic up and it's a it's a very contentious topic right now with, you know, he said, he challenged, you know, show me a DAO that's worked, right? It's very early days. Yeah, so, ooh, early days? That's a buzzword I think I've heard recently. Well, the concept, but, okay, the, the concept of a DAO is certainly out there, but since it hasn't really worked very well or been executed very well, somebody's got to come up with an interpretation that works. That's that's all. And that's why I say it's early days. The concept is out there that it could be decentralized. Now somebody has to get it right. That's going to take a while. Okay. Because that, so from, getting it right from... really depends upon regulation, which right now hasn't, hasn't been coming. So, I mean, do you remember years ago concept of an LLC came out and a limited liability company before that you, you know that that improved things about or, or changed things about how companies could work if you needed them to um, it <clears throat> I bet the some of the first people that had LLCs went through a bit of a rough time uh, before things got fully regulated um, 
Same thing with, with DAOs. That's going to happen. From a player perspective, okay, just strictly from a player perspective, you have far more experience in this than me. What would incentivize you, besides obviously token earnings, we're talking gameplay, what would incentivize you to, to play a game that you don't see happening yet? Oh, that's a weird question. So right now, okay, so part of this whole thing... You mean this, to invest in a game or play it? When no, you say play a no, game to that play. Don't, you don't I'm talking happy. strictly as a player, right? So you you right now a lot of people are playing these games just for the tokens, right? You can see that with May Mayhem that Gal is running. All of a sudden, all the gamers come out of the woodwork and start playing these games during May Mayhem, and every year you see the player base then dwindle off after. So it, it leads me to believe that, that a lot of the blockchain gamers are, as, as Benefactor likes to put it, ROI boys, right? They want to they wanna make their tokens. Okay. So um, instead, think... we, we keep saying it needs to be about the games. So what is not in these games that would compel you to play them? That's again What's a weird missing? question. That, that's, you're, What's you're, missing? You're, you're throwing a lot of disparate things together. You're making a, a, a weird question sandwich. Let's let's start a little bit simpler. Um, why would people be incentivized to play these games? Is that what yeah, you want to know? What where's the hook? That's a better way of putting it. Where well, the hook is is just like any other game. It's just that you get ownership when playing the game. So the hook is the ownership. But we're not seeing that being massively adopted. Most people don't like NFTs. Well, gamers. That is there is a there. There's a certain barrier you got to go get over. So gamers see NFT as a lot like microtransactions. Right now, it costs a lot of money to develop a game, a lot of money. It used to be that you could pay like 50 bucks, 60 bucks and get a computer game and play it for years. And maybe there'd be a couple patches and then and then you go buy the sequel. Well, these the whole thing, the whole game that's put out is a bet by a company that they're going to make a lot of money. That they're going to make that enough people are going to buy this game to where it's it's going to be profitable for them, and that's why they make the the, the second, you know, the, the the second version of the game. Um, mm -hmm. Blockchain games are really no different. Um, the 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 old style games want to get a community so the community would keep playing, but the problem is once you put out a version of the game, there's there's um, the cost to maintain it just go up and up and up and up. They don't have enough money to to keep adding to the, the first game. So they, they just make another bet and then wait a few years and make the second game. Blockchain gaming wants to make it to where game that the development of the game is funded by the by NFT. Sorry. Microtransactions make it so that uh, game game development is funded by buying skins and stuff in the game. Blockchain games blockchain games basically use nfts instead of you know the typical microtransactions in standard games the microtransactions go to pay a company for more development in blockchain games nfts uh would be the microtransactions that would pay the game developer or maybe dow or something money to continue developing the game what do you see as the next major win that we see in blockchain gaming? <laughs> Somebody doing it right? 
Well, okay, so what does that mean? That's kind of what I'm getting at. My, well, it's got a, my line of, of questioning tonight, I apologize. I'm, I'm having trouble. There's so much running through my head about this. What do you what do you see the next cuz obviously they have to overcome hurdles right to make well, this Well you got to you got to make games easy so, enough for your grandmother to play for one you can't make it can't make it so complicated that you got to figure out this obscure wallet and find and make a private key and then make it so you have to do some crypto wizardry bullshit uh, you just need the thing to work um, now there are components to make it work for example Samsung I believe has it to where they have a crypto wallet as part of their operating system in, in, in their phones. I seem to remember that from a few years ago. Great. So if you have a Samsung phone, then it'll just use by default the wallet on your phone. And so when you sign up for the game, it says, hey, use the Samsung wallet. Yep. Okay. Now play the game. There you go. It's already been KYC. So I've seen a lot of people talking about that. And I think that's a huge point is having it be a blockchain game when nobody knows it's a blockchain game. It just connects to your wallet, whether it's Apple Wallet, Samsung Wallet, uh, Google Wallet, or anything along those lines. It works the same way. And if you earn anything in those games or get NFTs or want to transact in NFTs, it's all native right there, either on your computer, your tablet, but, or okay. Okay. your mobile when you wallet. Have, when you have a blockchain game where you own assets in the game, You've got to keep track of it. Now, if you're in a non-blockchain game, like I don't, I don't know, Team Fortress, and you buy assets for the game, the company keeps track of it. You don't. The company does, and they tell you the state of what you have at any time. And if it disappears from your your account, then you got to go call their customer service and get it back. And they have to believe you, and and whatever they have to make sure that they they manage all that. All it's doing is taking that management away from the company that's developing it and puts it in your hands. So. People have to get used to managing game assets that they would normally have managed for them. Well, that's actually a big ask uh, to, to actually manage your own assets yourself. And people have to understand that this is something that they want to do. So there's, mm -hmm. I think there's a big psychological hurdle to get over. Do you think that's part of what inhibits things as well? Well, what yeah, the it's fuck a total, are you drinking? I'm, I'm, I, so I got some Thai food. It looks here, like a soup. cup of puke. Well, it, it could be. Um, <laughs> looks like Tom Ka's soup, to be honest. Um, however, unfortunately, there's no no uh, no spoons that came with it, and so I'm just drinking it out of, out of the container. It's going to look weird. I, I'll turn I'll turn the phone away when I start eating things out of the container. Well, <laughs> it it just all I saw was this green slop, and I'm like, that can't be tea. Nope. Let's see. <laughs> brains it's brains anyway yeah. so the concept that a person has to manage their own assets outside of a game is brand new people aren't used to doing that they're used to the game just doing it for them a lot of people are going to resist a lot of people are going to say i don't want to have to fucking do that great you know you can have game asset providers out there called oh i don't know banks or something that can do that what do banks do best banks actually do services best what did they do shittiest? They what they do the shittiest is managing money. Don't have a bank, <laughs> but uh, but if you have a blockchain, they can provide the service of plugging into a blockchain which manages the assets for you, and then they can they can help report it and help facilitate transactions. Great, that's the best part of banks. Give them something else to do, but you have to have so, a government that's that's up to up to the challenge and to to allow banks to do that. 
that is uh, it's funny that you said that because we didn't even coordinate this. And that's what I was going to ask you next, because that's an idea that I have. There's some platforms out there, one of which started off really small. It's growing in popularity. It's called D-Bank, right? And you go there, you can ho- you can see your NFTs. It's like a, a online wallet kind of thing, and it'll it, in- it lets you interact. Rastakips' thing. And I'm ta- Well, there's that too, but I'm talking about there's a website called D-Bank. Yeah, it's and run by it has, China, it's run by China. So yeah, I don't know. it has it has services that you can utilize within it for your NFTs, and they're starting to expand just outside of just NFTs. But it's like like that banking model, right? So you have this platform where you can manage your assets, not necessarily like OpenSea where you sell them. But I think that that the marketplace for services like DBank and what Rastakip is building, I think that's going to really, really help in the long run because Rastakip just released another uh, tracker uh, that is tracking galas uh, May Mayhem. You can see your rankings and what you've played and, and all that kind of stuff. So these services, these platforms that will allow you to interact with all of your assets from all the various gaming platforms, I think is going to be a huge, huge motivator. Okay. So you have that gets people involved in this. Great. So that's that is a completely separate um, separate entity out there. All the, so you have the the game developers, then you have the people that help you manage your assets, and, and that's different than just doing the wallet. You could manage it yourself if you have a wallet. Or you can have somebody manage it for you, which is what we're used to when you, when you go to a bank and pull your money out of a bank. You're used to the bank managing your assets for you. Great. That's fine. Let people manage your, your NFTs and your, your, your skins and stuff like that for you and your crypto. Great. That's part of what makes a rich ecosystem. Yeah. So just do it with games. So that that's so I think you're still in the kind of the introductory part of all your questions, which is which is just what needs to be done why it needs to be done is because gaming is becoming a bit more mature gaming is more than just playing pac-man these days it's it's when you play pac-man you get through to a certain level you want your progress to mean something if you spend 15 hours playing a game you should have something tangible even intangible to sh- you should have something tangible or intangible to show for it that then would be of value to somebody else. That That is how an economy is made. Because then somebody would want that, they would buy that. If you if you get like all these these things in a game, you should be able to exit. You know, you should have made a lot of value and then be able to cash out of that value. That way your time's not wasted, just blowing your, your time on a game and gamers don't understand this right now. Gamers think that there is, oh, I just like to do this for fun. It's like, you know, you can actually do this for for value. And, of course, that's going to make a whole new class of people whose sole job it is to play games to extract value out of it. Okay, fine. They Games need a lot of people and players in it. Fine, they'll just be background noise in the game. Fine. So what? So what if you have South Korean... Um, farms of uh of of you know warehouses of people playing games uh if, if 
I, I know that there's South Korean farms that are, that are playing Ultima every day, you know, farming sheep. That's all they do. Great. You have people farming sheep in the real world too. Great. So it's it might just be that every player you see in a game, no one will be a uh, an NPC. Everybody will be a real person doing something. Great. Okay. That's value. Excellent. Excellent segue. I was just going to go in. We're about halfway through the show now. And I did want to talk about some ways that play and earn or earnings or anything else could be improved in this space from a, and I want us to look at this from the player standpoint, because big companies look at it, obviously from what can they sell to make profit? If you're going to have these earnings or potential ownership, I don't like the word ownership even, but the ability to hold your own NFTs, let's let's leave it at that. That would be me. ownership. And let's we can we can argue nuance another time because we we argue about that a lot. But um, from a player's perspective. And from expectations and from the marketing that's done around it, how can the earnings part of this blockchain gaming go to another level to where it's not totally focused on how much you can put in your pocket? Well, yeah, I think you need to, to uh, telegraph what you're asking. You're, it sounds like you're asking me to come up with the next level. What next level are you talking about? Well, in other words, right, I, I told you I'm having difficulty because there's so much running through my head about this. It's it's Try, try being a right, bit more broad. Okay. Try saying something like so, what's, what comes well, next after. Let me let me use another example, right? So you have this, this spider tanks economy, right, where you can take your VP and convert it into this, that, and the other, and you go, you buy your tank parts, right? The object from the gaming company's perspective is – we want all those tokens left on the platform. We want users spending those and sending them right back to us, right? So that's not motivation to a player per se, because what they're ultimately going to do is they'll, they'll willfully hand over those tokens to upgrade whatever parts they need for the sole purpose of getting to a different level and higher earnings. And at some point, they're going to want to extract that. So how how do you take those earnings and do something besides buy something with it or extract it. There has to be another way to do it. These traditional games have a lot of other things you can do with your experience points and everything else that, that take you to take the focus off what you're actually spending or making in a game. Like what? For example, uh, you have so many gold, you can, let's say, uh, get another area of the map unlocked. Or you can take uh, the diamonds that you earn and increase your experience, which then helps you level up to a different level. Right now, it's just buying and selling tangible goods within or NFTs, I should say, buying and selling tangible You're NFTs. You're talking about spider tanks, right? Well, I'm using that as an example, but spider, in, in any of these blockchain is... games, they don't let you do anything with okay, the tokens except buy something. Okay, so what what you're talking about is, since it is so early in the blockchain gaming arena, 
they're not going to have complex reward loops for for you to um, uh, for you to engage in. Right now, they have simple reward loops, and so when, when you're talking about spider tanks, where you can you can get experience points to buy tank parts. That's a very simple reward loop. Um, it's another reward loop in a way. If you were to be able to pull something out of the game, you'll, you'll lose honor points. But then you're going to get the reward of of um, being paid for that. So if I if I upgrade a, a flamethrower to, to level ten, and I take it out of the game and I sell it for a thousand dollars, how much money did I put in the game to get that? Well, whatever. If I spent twenty hours in the game to get a thousand dollars, that's actually better than if I were to get a job at a pizza place. So, well, I mean, what, I'm, what I'm saying is right. You, you, using that example you just gave, right? I take my tokens that I earn playing spider tanks and I upgrade my flamethrower. That's all I can do. I can't take those tokens and say, <clears throat> unlock a different map to play on. I can't take those tokens. Okay, that's, and... I, I just answered that. I said, right now, games have very simplistic reward loops because it's very early. I'm Why expecting do you think a game that is? Because they just started out. Because they're, they haven't been around for six years. They've been around for six months. Well, but, but see, this is where the disconnect is maybe then, too. Because I think that that would open up a lot more opportunity for gamers well, sure than they had. So they've been doing it in traditional gaming for years. And Eric and company have done that. Well, you're talking Zynga. about Gala Games, right? Right. Uh, that's the examples because our, our base is 90% Gala people, right? So mm -hmm. they've been doing that with Zynga for years. Mafia Wars and, and Farmville. So they know how to do that. Why can't they bring that? What is? What do you think is preventing them from bringing that to blockchain gaming? Time they and built money. Those games from, well, they built those games from scratch, too, and they had that in there from minute one. Why okay, wouldn't there, they bring that in from minute one? Because they didn't have it from minute one. That's the problem. See, Zynga didn't start out with all the games that, that it has right now. It started out with a whole lot less games. So... You're, you're, you're throwing an assumption there that they that they had I mean you're saying it from minute one no they didn't they didn't they have did. all those I games. played I played no I'm not talking about games I'm talking about the other things you can do with your stars or your gems or your tokens I played Farmville at the beginning I played Mafia Wars at the beginning and there was always like 20 different things that you could do with the equivalent of those okay. tokens. So, okay, so they the built that in from the beginning. Why okay, wouldn't so they build those things in from the beginning in blockchain side? Okay, so the difference between gaming with like something on Steam or Zynga and blockchain gaming is blockchain gaming frequently uses an ecosystem. So if you if you buy something on Farmville, all you really are is just finding a different way to have a – you have programmed a different way to have a storefront. Any money you put in doesn't go back into the game's economy. It goes into the company's pockets. But when you play something in, say, Mirandus or possibly even Spider Tanks, what gets created in the game stays in the game as part of an ecosystem. Things don't disappear. Once you buy something, your money goes somewhere and then sits somewhere. Um, so it's what's missing is the, the level... Um, of what happens to that money they're doing a whole lot more with with the, with the lesser features than say zynga would 
that's that's what what's it that that's it they're using real money they're putting it into a real economy the real functioning economy zinka doesn't do that you're just you're just buying shit everybody can have the sword of whatever in in a zinka game not so in Miranda's. Miranda's uh, might only have three of them for the whole game. And then you'll keep track of them. And if two of them are sitting on open seat, then you only have one in the game. Well, not so in a Zynga game or, or something on Steam. You Anybody can have the sword of whatever. No, and, and, you know, if they spend the thousand hours earning the sword, fine. Everybody's running around in the game with one. That's not going to be the case of a lot of blockchain games. So there's there's an economy that's missing from standard games that takes a lot of tweaking and messing with and, and, and so on to get it right. Fair. Does does the do you think that the earn portion of it should stay in there or do you think that that should go away? Can you be more specific? The earn portion yeah, earning tokens. Instead, maybe earn NFTs or earn like the MOF does, like cred that that gives you benefits. Do you think that 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 token earning is is causing more problems than it's worth? Um, I don't know yet. Um, I'm going to say that the the idea of play to earn or play to own is still finding its feet as to far as far as what its definition is. So no, I don't think earning in a game is a problem. However, governments seem to not understand what earning means. They, they, um, there's nothing wrong in my opinion with having a job where you spend all day earning things in a game to go sell in a marketplace and that's your 24 hour 24 7 job hey my job is to uh make electronic things great well the funny thing is governments realize that that's all just built in thin air you, you could they could just produce a million swords of whatever um instead of just one or just five or something like that and so governments which run their own economies realize that certain players or certain certain development houses run economies too and they don't like that especially when you can arbitrage things back and forth between virtual economies and real economies which would affect a real economy what if you had half of south korea making you know earning swords really expensive swords selling them on open sea and then going back and forth between the games you have some interesting – now you have a real economic powerhouse that a real government would want to manage, uh, and it could affect other things in the government like wheat and, and oil and stuff like that. Why would anybody want to get out and drive around in cars if they're all playing video games making, making invisible things? Uh, that's, these are the things that, that keep the government up all night. That's a really good point. Um, we talked about that on a cast about a year ago, uh, and I thought that was a really good discussion. We may need to revisit that one. Uh, I want us to remember that one to talk about the impact that these type of blockchain games and these assets and even the tokens can do. Uh, and, and that's why the perspective is the way it is. Um, That's why the and, government and I, perspective is the way it is, because they don't they, they're starting to realize that whatever's happening in these games can affect the real economies 
and they're scared of what this means that they won't be able to control or, or they'll have to control virtual economies. So yeah. St. Miranda's got really popular. Um, well, all of a sudden, what happens in Miranda's doesn't stay in Miranda's, and the government will want to regulate what happens in fictional worlds. They'll say, well, you can't make so many more than five swords of whatever uh, uh, a year, and they have to be worth so much amount of money, or else it's going to crash our economy if people start yanking them out of the game. So this is where the interface between the government and virtual worlds are a problem. It's going to take a long time to solve, and people are going full speed ahead with doing this. So these are the questions that regular everyday ga gamers don't care about. They just want to play the game. They get sick and tired of playing, paying microtransactions, but they don't seem to realize that developers cost money. And, and all these neat features that they want to play with, it's not free. Sorry, not everybody's sitting at their computer, you know, wanking off playing video games all day. Some people are actually making the video games. Well, that's, that's real. So I, I have I have two questions left, and we're running right up on 45 minutes. And my battery is the, running low, so I might not yeah, be here long. My, my first question is a really simple one, and nobody's ever asked this. I've never seen this asked before, but it, it truly boggles my mind. Whenever we talk about in-game assets, every person on the planet that I've ever heard talk about it always uses the sword moniker. Why? Because the sword's a, it's a virtual weapon. I mean, you could say you could say armor. That's another one I've seen that one used a lot. Swords, armor, gold, in-game gold. You get a lot of in-game gold. Okay. It could be worth more than than outside of game gold. I'm just wondering why everybody picks a sword when speaking, they talk speaking about of, it's, those things. I guess you have to be a gamer. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a little <laughs> trivia. Uh, Magic: The Gathering cards are worth more than their weight in gold. In real gold. Magic, the people who make Magic the Gathering cards also work very, very, very hard and have them not interpreted or seen as securities when they actually are. So I want to I wanna circle back for my last question to something you said a little bit earlier. And you, you made a distinction between uh, pre-funding models on blockchain versus companies making a bet and funding a game and then selling it for sixty dollars mm -hmm. why wouldn't that same model work on blockchain it could why can't Nothing wrong with using that model okay so why hasn't anybody that i've seen and we've we've reviewed a lot of these blockchain platforms especially when uh one is less risky than the other okay so so, so so that you could make a Red Dead Redemption 3 or 4 now. Uh, Red Dead Redemption series is pretty good, uh, pretty fun. Uh, each each version, each game seems to be better than the, the original. What they do is they put out the game. It locks down all the features. Nothing fundamental changes about the game, but what they'll do is they'll put out patch patches to fix bugs in the game. Meanwhile, they'll want to take it to the next level. And make it like maybe maybe the the newest version has has really has a much more improved AI, which is a fundamental component of the game. And maybe maybe they they uh, maybe they want to add a lot more realism, more polygons or whatever. You can't change the polygons at will. You you have to create an engine and just use that engine to to, to render everything. So you want to make a better engine. You want to make better AI. You want to 
get make better data handling capabilities so that this world is is very real well it takes years to do that well somebody has to pay all those developers years in advance somebody has to pay 47 million dollars or whatever what it takes to make the new game several years in advance that's the current typical traditional model the new model is we don't have that kind of money sitting around because we haven't invested in other places and the economy isn't the best so how about we just pay you as you build it yeah so you could still do that with a traditional model you sell a token that is the first battle pass and you sell it for a hundred dollars and you get the people to buy that battle pass ahead of time to pre-fund your game. And then as that game is built out, it's put out even buggy as it might be, just like they did with a game like Townstar. Buggy and patches coming left and right, and they sell things for small amounts, NFTs for small amounts, along the way to keep that funding going. That's called Why a security. It seems, yeah, That's but, called a security. Look up look up the laundry no, token example. Because, in, in no, because, because traditional games do that all the time. I pre-bought the NBA game on Xbox for my kid. That's not a security. Well, I, I, I would suspect that there's a way that they're doing it. So, so the Battle Pass, you can buy the Battle Pass it. before the game comes out? Well, it's not so much a Battle Pass, but you, you buy the pre-release and... you. You buy it no, in not, March, no, and it says game comes been, out. Game comes out in, has already in been September. Made. The pre-release has already been made that you're using, right? That you're playing immediately, right? No, you're not playing immediately. I bought it in March, and he didn't get it till September. Hmm. Well, I suspect there's there's more details there that you're so, not relating, or I'm not hearing. Well, I'm asking because I I don't I don't fully understand why it has to be this pre-funding model on blockchain when it doesn't have to be in traditional gaming. That's what I'm trying to dig down and understand. You, are, you, you just described a method that, that was pre-funding. If you buy a battle pass now and you have to wait six months for the game, that is the very definition of pre-funding. R- right. But I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm saying why oh, di- we've waited way longer for Mirandas already, and there's probably still three or four years left, right? Mm-hmm. There's a difference between six months – where a playable version of the game is ready, and four, five, six years, right? Big difference. Not, not, not same really, with, just in people's Same in with people's... in-game, in-game no, assets. I can't really. go buy the... I can't Listen to me, let me finish. I can't go buy the golden basketball shoes. I can't go buy the special LeBron buff for my basketball players in that pre-funding stage. I can only purchase the game ahead of time. It really depends. Uh, it so, depends on how it's set up. That could be a combination of pre-funding and and um, you know venture capital. I don't know. Pre-funding by by retail and venture capital. I mean, yeah, who I'm, knows? I'm they, trying to each understand one is different. I, I, it yeah. sounds like a very deep subject that needs its own set of casts on. To, to be honest, I, I can't yeah. I can't explain that one quick because we we don't have enough introspection about how those games are set up. You can do all of that with blockchain. Two, the only difference is the assets that are generated in the game can be owned by people. And when you get banned, you can still sell your stuff. That's it. I mean, that's that's the the the, the killer thing. And there are going to be and these these assets that are created have value, and will there be an economy springing up around it to maintain and help you maintain these assets 
improve these assets and help you manage these assets. It's the very fact that you have on uh, will have an economy supporting these assets that are made in the game. That's what's what's the killer feature. Right now, traditional game doesn't gaming doesn't have that. Okay. Yeah, that's so, a big topic. That's another great great show but, idea. But but how you but how you fund that. But how you fund a game can be funded the same way on blockchain as is done in in traditional funding. Sure. Doesn't matter how they do it. I I, I think that's that's a red herring if you're looking that to for that to be some sort of sticking point that people have to get over. There's, no, there's a million I'm, different ways to fund things. I'm wondering if if that's part of the, the prohibitive nature of, of gamers wanting to get into the blockchain side because they have to wait too long. Uh, no, so I, I don't think it's with that. With us I think talking about with improvements, gamers, that's something I want to dig into to gamers, see if that can be improved. Gamers are worried about the fact that they're going to be microtransaction to death, and they're they're also worrying about the fact that they're going to have to manage wallets that they don't understand or care about. They're they're being asked to do more and more complex things just to play the goddamn game, and all they want to do is play the game. That's why gamers are having problems. Okay, and that's what took We're, we took fifty three minutes to get to. Yeah, we took fifty three minutes to get their final thoughts from DC Faz. <clears throat> Uh, my phone's about to die. My final thoughts is I think we'll get there just fine. I think people need to chill the fuck out. All right, y'all. Tomorrow night we have uh, Glitch co-hosting because Faz will be in an airplane flying right past you if you live in the United States. And we're looking forward to tomorrow night. Thanks for joining us tonight. See you around like a donut. I lost the thing. You're welcome.